You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our reading this morning begins at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the heavenly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. But we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
Our text this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed, being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you've ever been up in a plane flying around this area, you come to the Vancouver airport. In order to land there, you have to fly out over the Strait of Georgia before you come in and land at the airport there in Richmond. And it's when you're flying over that you notice in the water there's this this huge mixing. You see these different colors of water as the dirty, sediment-filled waters of the Fraser River come and empty into the cool, clear waters of the Strait of Georgia, of course, connected with the Pacific Ocean. It's the confluence of these two bodies of water that are so evident to you as you as you fly high above them that create this strange mixture, these strange lines and these pools and these different colors there. We live in something like that confluence between the Fraser River and the Strait of Georgia. We're carried along in this world And we know of these dirty, murky waters. We know of sin and sorrow, suffering and pain. But yet, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the experience of sorrow, pain, sadness is also mixed with joy and hope. It's because we live in the confluence not of two rivers, but the confluence of two eras, two times in history. We live in the middle of the dying of this world in sin and the coming to life of the world renewed by Jesus Christ. At times like this morning, when we as a congregation all together and our beloved brothers and sisters in particular, mourn the loss of a dear husband and friend, brother, father. We experience that pain that's associated with the one world. And yet at the same time, we are gathered here by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the very same time, then, we experience the joy and the hope of the next. Here, as we gather together, the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cool, clear waters of salvation meet with the muddied realities of this sinful world. But this meeting of of pain and joy, of sorrow and hope, it's not something we just experience at one time or on one day. This is the experience of life for God's people. 
The Apostle Paul was a witness to the very earliest realities at the earliest time of, of God's great work, immediately after he had raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And Paul himself was sent into the world as a messenger of this great news. But Paul himself lived in the middle of this mixing. He lived in the middle of pain, of sorrow and sadness, of, of decay, of death. But yet even as he experienced that, he looked to the horizon, knowing and and trusting of the cool waters ahead, seeing them coming already now before, seeing before his very eyes, in his very body, that death was being swallowed up by victory. He knew that through the work of Jesus Christ, the waters of this world were being swallowed up. Yes, the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, he knew the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his death and resurrection, and that transformed his pain. And that's the theme of our sermon this morning as we look at God's word here in the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. The Apostle Paul tells us that the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms our pain and affliction. It transforms it. We still experience it, but the experience is different for us because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so as a result of what Jesus Christ has done, as His servants, we don't lose heart when faced with this pain. In fact, we can even see God working through this pain, using, yes, even the pain and affliction that we experience in this broken world, using that to progress, to move us on in His plan. And all the while, we look not to what is seen, but to what is unseen. We look to the horizons as the gospel of Jesus Christ shows us what what lies before us. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms the pain and affliction of his servants. In the first place, so that they don't lose heart. The Apostle Paul begins in our text by restating, you'll notice, what he had already said, although in less words, at the beginning of chapter 4. Beginning of chapter 4, he said, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And then he repeats it in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is an important sentence. It's one to focus on. And it's important for at least two reasons. One reason is, it's comforting to know, that even for the Apostle Paul, Losing heart was something that had presented itself. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, the one who stood up before kings to profess his faith, to speak the gospel, that Apostle also came up against the hard realities of this life. So that losing heart presented itself to him. Apostle Paul experienced pain and affliction. That's comforting to know. Comforting as we come to this text this morning. And secondly, it also makes us ask the question, which we'll consider further in the sermon, well, why didn't Paul lose heart? 
all the things that he faced. Why didn't he? So let's look at the first question, the first part then. How could the option of losing heart, of giving up courage, have even presented itself to the mind of of someone so great as the Apostle Paul? Well, the reality is that life was extremely difficult for the Apostle Paul. Life, perhaps, for Paul hadn't always been difficult, but one singular event had changed Paul's entire life and had seemingly brought him into this world of pain and affliction and suffering. That event was when the Lord Jesus had called him to be his servant on the road to Damascus. That event changed everything for Paul. Paul lists some of his pains and afflictions in verses 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians 4. It says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted. We're struck down. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Apostle Paul knew what pain and affliction felt like. And the survey of the book of Acts would show you what he went through. He suffered jealousy and abusive talk from his fellow Jews. He was the subject of a conspiracy to stone him, and then later he was stoned. He was thrown in prison in Philippi. He was rioted against in Thessalonica, scoffed in Athens, rioted against again in Ephesus. He was arrested in Jerusalem. He was shipwrecked in Malta. His life was a life of suffering and pain. You put yourself in the Apostle Paul's waterlogged, worn out, always running away from death's shoes. And you can understand how the option of losing hope would come from. Would come from the overwhelming circumstances of life's experiences. It would come from the overwhelming evidence of his life. That's where the option came from, is what he was going through every single day. And that's what happens when our painful, when our, our circumstances are, are painful and trying, then hope becomes increasingly difficult to hold on to. If you receive bad news, it's hard to hear. If you're living in the bad news, if you are the bad news, that is extremely difficult to bear. It can feel like pain and suffering is, is all you've ever experienced and all you ever will. Have. The question that comes to our mind when we're faced with the circumstances of life is this. If God is for us, why would all of this happen to us? If God is for us, why the pain? Why the loss? Paul's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that declares, as he said in our reading, that Jesus Christ is Lord over all in this world. If Jesus Christ is Lord of all in this world, Paul could have reasoned, then why doesn't he ease up? Why doesn't he lighten the load? Why doesn't he do that for someone so committed to him as Paul, the apostle? Why doesn't he do it for his servants who love him? And serve him. 
the Lord is in control, then why is all this difficulty still coming our way? It's easy to lose hope when you can't see past these present painful circumstances. But the Apostle Paul declares here, therefore, we do not lose hope. We do not lose hope. Why not? Well, the answer really comes the first time he had stated in 4 verse 1. Therefore, since God's mercy, mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose hope. Why didn't Paul lose hope? It was because of the ministry that he had. And not simply because he had a job to do to distract him from all the pain. But it put the very ministry, the very gospel that he declared, put his present trials into focus for him and for us. The gospel that Paul proclaimed and was a servant to was the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the good news that Jesus Christ came into this world to atone for sin. To take the power that sin has and nail it to the cross and put it to death. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that the Son of God came into this world to triumph over death. And to give new life to his people in anticipation of an entirely renewed world. Where all heaven and all earth would be renewed and sorrow would be but a distant memory. The present trials that Paul was experiencing was perfectly in line with the gospel that he proclaimed. Because the trials that he was experiencing was a very result of the sin and brokenness in this world. And that's why Jesus Christ came. The Apostle Paul came to declare that in this pain and in this brokenness, in this sinfulness, Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is victor He is the victor and the restorer of the world. So these troubles, these trials, these pains, and these losses are precisely what the gospel is about. The gospel declares that God is not counting men's sins against them. But that God is opening up a new and a glorious eternity with God through Jesus Christ. And this new and glorious eternity, brothers and sisters, is beginning even now as the waters are mixing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is doing its work. So the Apostle Paul does not lose heart. In fact, he goes on. He sees progress even in the pain. The perspective that the Holy Spirit gives us here in these verses is very powerful. What Paul says in this section is that not only do God's servants not lose heart when faced with difficulty, but they recognize that God is doing something even here in this difficulty. God is building something. God is at work with the very pain and suffering that you experience. He says... Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our our bodies are falling apart. These stoning, put in prison, being shipwrecked, that takes a toll on your body. 
Bodies are falling apart, but inwardly they are being renewed day by day through the gospel. Even as Paul's body is literally being destroyed by the rigors of ministry, yet at the same time, God is making him and his fellow servants living testimonies. The very body that's falling apart is becoming a testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at what he says about how God is doing this in the verses preceding our text. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 of chapter 4. Paul says, We have this treasure in jars of clay, weak vessels, easily broken. Jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are weak and broken precisely so that God's power can be more on display. And isn't that true? Haven't we been witnesses of that fact? The life of a brother who struggled, who was burdened by paraplegia for so long in his life, but whose life became a testimony to the power of God at work in his heart. So we're weak in order to show the surpassing power of God. And Paul goes on in verse 10. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Paul experiences a a certain unity with the sufferings of his Lord Jesus Christ. The same world that put Jesus Christ to death and caused him so much suffering is the world that's now hounding Paul at every turn. But Jesus Christ rose victorious over the powers of death. And so too... Will those who face trials be victorious over them as they continue their ministry to show the power of the new life that Jesus Christ has won? And so we share a unity with Jesus Christ in his sufferings so that we also might be unified with him in the new life that he has gained for us. There's a a third thing that... Paul shows that God is doing through this present trial, through his weakness. He says in verse 12, So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This too is the power of the gospel and the ministry given to all Christians. Since the gospel is the power of God, it works despite the weaknesses of those who proclaim it. This is God that is at work here. It's not dependent upon our strength. It's God's strength that is at work. Sure, Paul's life is ebbing away even as he preaches, but what he preaches is life through Jesus Christ. He doesn't preach life through himself, but life through Jesus Christ. And so even as he is dying as he proclaims this, the people that he preaches to are coming to life as they hear the gospel and respond in faith. God's work is not dependent upon the strength of his people. God works through his own strength. And Paul lays down then the final trump card in verse 14. Not even death. Not even death is the end for a servant of the gospel. Because the gospel declares 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ and through Christ of all who believe in him. The message of the gospel is so powerful that even when the servants of Jesus Christ die, they are not defeated because they will rise again from the dead victorious along with Jesus Christ. This is comfort to us. What a joy to know that one whose life is so characterized by, yes, weakness, but also by the service to the gospel, lives in anticipation of the final fulfillment of the work of Jesus Christ in the resurrection on the last day. And so it's true, as Paul will say later on in 2 Corinthians, as the Lord had said to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. And he says, Paul, you are a perfect example of this. Power of God made perfect in weakness. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ not only gives meaning to what's happening all around us, but it goes to work on the very afflictions and trials that we are experiencing. And it gives them meaning and purpose. Ultimate and beautiful meaning and purpose. Paul says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. These troubles are working towards something bigger and greater and and far more beautiful than they or anything else we can imagine. Eternal glory. And in fact, compared to that eternal glory, these Momentary afflictions are are light. Momentary. They're part. They're part of that grander picture. It's not like this is not connected with that. They are a part of it. God is achieving that through this as He works in this world. They're a part of the glory of God's eternal kingdom. Paul's saying, since my life has been brought into the greater purpose of God's eternal kingdom, everything that happens to me has, has reason, has purpose. Yes, even this pain, even these afflictions, even these trials. Even though I don't understand it. Always. This pain and affliction is a part of something larger. In fact, God is using the pain and outwardly, and outward decay to inwardly renew day by day. So the Apostle Paul can see progress. It would call us to see progress in the pain. And finally, God's people look to the unseen eternal. God's word comes to us this morning with a message that God's eternal glory is making an impact on the present sorrow that we feel. God's word comes to us this morning giving testimony that we have already seen this in the lives of those who have gone before the great cloud of witnesses, as well as our brother, our dear brother who has passed away. That God's power is made perfect in weakness and that God uses his servants to be a testimony of the power of the gospel in that weakness. Weakness demonstrates the power of Jesus Christ at work in us. And so for all of us, the question as we move forward is the question that this text urges us to ask. It's a challenging question, but it's one that we must consider. And it's this. 
Where are we going to look? Where are we going to look? Where are we going to put our eyes as we leave from here, as we walk through this week, as we go through this month? Are we going to look at a life that was seemingly cut short too suddenly? Are we going to look at a widow's sorrow? Are we even going to consider the hardship, the inequalities of life? Let's expand our view. Where are we going to look constantly, every day? What is God doing with the son's agonizingly long battle with cancer or the brother's painfully short one? Shall we fix our eyes on the car accident? or on the murderer, or on the marriage indiscretion, or on the barren womb, or the missing son, or the troubled mind, or the battered body. Where are we going to look? These are the things that we see. They're in front of us. These are the things that we feel. These are the causes of our sorrow and our pain. But we need to ask ourselves, where are we going to set our eyes? Let's fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. It doesn't always feel like that, but it is. It's temporary. We see, we feel, we suffer But this too will pass. This too will end. This too will be swallowed up by the victory of Jesus Christ. And so, let's fix our eyes on Him, on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's look to that unseen eternal where the glory of Jesus Christ fills the whole world. Every corner of it. Where pain and suffering are swallowed up by life and joy completely. Where the servants of the Most High King live forever in His wonderful and beautiful presence. And yes, even now, let's look at what the ministry of the Gospel of Jesus Christ is accomplishing even in our pain and our weakness. Let's look to Him. And when we look to Jesus Christ... We will not lose heart. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.